In this first episode, I interview my own mother about some of our supernatural family history. I wanted to ask you maybe questions about your childhood and or involving your mom and the sort of supernatural mm-hmm. events that kind of surrounded that and, and that your childhood was filled with. Yes. Well, my mother was native and perhaps that was what caused everything. I don't know. She also had a mental health problems, psychoses, right? Um, schizophrenia specifically. And she was, she just, was terrified that the the enemy or the devil was out to get her, out to get us, and that they were around, that there was a very well, real Well, but threat. this didn't just happen out of the and, blue, right? Like, I thought that she was perfectly fine in her mental health until she was in her 30s, and then she met a strange man. Um, my mom was... My, see, my dad never said anything about her being mentally ill, right? And then she started to um, commit adultery behind his back with a man in where we lived in our city. And um, he was not a very good man. He wasn't decent. And I don't know, my mom, it just sort of must have triggered something because she was, her mental health deteriorated I'm from sorry. that time on. This is when I'm sorry if this is like offensive, but I thought you told me that they they participated in sort of like satanic orgies or like occult practices. Well, that's what I thought too. But my dad said, my cousin says yes. My older cousin said that's what happened, and my dad said no. He said they were just swingers. The um, um, they would go to a great uh, farmhouse out in the country, and there was a whole bunch of men and women. And they would put all their, the men would put their keys into a bowl, the women would pick out a key, and whoever's key that was, the woman would go with that man. So it was, and my mom was horrified by that and hurt because, yes, she was being unfaithful to my father with this man, but I think she cared for him. She didn't, it wasn't just about sex, she just wanted to have a relationship with him alone. And then her um, mental state went downhill from there where she was um, seeing that but the devil But she that wasn't were. the only person who saw this. Because wasn't there that time with, like, you and my aunt? Okay. Uh, I was about eight. My sister was ten. And it was nighttime. And we loved playing outside because we just played outside all the time. All the kids did. And there was a um, a pile of snow at the end of the, the, oh, gosh, what was it? The alley. Because our house was on the alley. And there was a gas station, and they had piled the snow from the clearing the gas station, and we called it Unicorn Hill. And all we had was a cardboard box that we'd flattened out into a uh, sled. So we were climbing up Unicorn Hill and then going down on our cardboard box and having fun. And it was after supper. And we knew that when it was time to come in, our mom would call us from the back door, as mothers did back then. And all of a sudden, we just... We were doing this, and all of a sudden, we got really quiet, and it, it seemed really, really dark. I mean, it was dark anyway, because it was winter, and it was after supper. We were the only ones on the street, and we just got quiet, and we were kind of apprehensive. And then at the opposite end of the street where we lived on, it was pitch black, and this 
man came walking out of the darkness, but, and he was dark. And he looked all dark, like, which is kind of weird. Like even when they got under the streetlights, we couldn't make out any, it was just all dark. It, there was no, you couldn't see the white of his face or anything. Like even if he had been dressed all in black, because he had a black hat, if they, you would, probably would still be able to see his face, but it was just all dark. And he was screaming and he was lurching and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. And we were terrified and we took off down the alley and we were screaming and we pounded on the door for them to let us in. So they let us in. It was my dad, my mom, my other siblings. And we were watching this thing as it came screaming toward our home. And then it went down the alley. And my, uh, my dad called the neighbors across the street. Did you hear any, any noise, any screaming? They said no. And he said it, it was so loud that we could hear it inside the house. And my mom, of course, was convinced that that was the devil. And um, it was shortly after that that my dad had her. Uh, in, but how how is it that a person is considered schizophrenic when they're not the only person seeing this thing? Well, she had but other visions. The point of it is, I mean, I've I've corroborated this story with your dad with your sisters and they all give the same account and your father is a very practical mm -hmm. person. Um, so mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it, it's, it feels like something supernatural. And the part of the story that always struck me was how you said its eyes looked and how you said it was screaming and just coming at you and how none of the neighbors heard. That was just so strange to me. Um, yeah. Red eyes. The red eyes are red. And I thought That's you said really scared us. it was coming from like but a forest. Mother, it, it wasn't. Oh, the it was darkness the darkness the at the end of the street, street where the um, where the where the the bus stop was. But I mean, that street was lit with um, street lights, just like our street was. Like it was all brightly lit, and they would especially, they always have an extra light near the bus stop, so it's bright, but it wasn't, that street was black, and it, that was weird, because our street was brightly lit, you know, the other, the cross street was brightly lit, like why was that street black? That was unusual, and the other thing is, um, after that, my mother told my dad, she said, she says, I'm afraid, and my dad said, why? And she says, well, the devil wants me to kill the baby, he needs a sacrifice, and that was my baby sister. So that was. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I mean, with, with like all the current things mm -hmm. we know today, that just is insane that she said that. Um, yeah. And um, the other thing about her was when I went to visit her, she told me that they wanted her to record an album, a record. And they wanted her to come down to Hollywood and she refused because she kept saying, you know, there was too much red tape. But, um, you know, we know she was running from something basically the rest of her life because she lived in an apartment and she didn't even have a phone, you know. And I don't know. I mean, my experience with meeting her because I wanted to know whether everything was all in her head or if she really was experiencing something real that maybe other people just couldn't always see. And when I was sitting there on her couch and she started talking to something quietly over her shoulder, like while we were having a conversation and all the hairs stood up 
on end and I just got goosebumps all over and the scary part that happened was when I looked at the television the television was off but I saw this dark reflection in the television sitting beside her and I couldn't make out what it was but Mm. like I ended the conversation and we left and that was like the definitive answer for me was that moment um and uh the other thing is when she was put into the mental asylum um didn't they keep her longer than they originally than you or your dad originally thought they would keep her and they performed a bunch of things on her right i'm not sure she was gone for a long time she underwent uh, she told us she underwent um shock treatment which is horrible they put a piece of leather a leather strap between her teeth and they strapped her down and she had she, had, she couldn't do anything about it and then they shocked her they put this thing around her head and they applied electrical currents which makes the whole body arch and the person is just frothing and screaming with that leather strap in between their mouth you know it's supposed to uh, help with delusions and psychotic visions right um then they give her uh hallucinogens so she said there was this great big worm floating around her room and there was a snake and um she just had horrible visions of hellish type scenes you know from these hallucinogens that they gave her so at that time i know the american government the intelligence was working with canadian government in some provinces in canada to do this type of experiments on well they were later mental health issues and i believe my mother they were later the cia was later um held to be responsible for this and they were found guilty for doing this these sorts of experiments um essentially they turned into or are known as mk ultra so i just think it's crazy that they did all this to her then they wanted her to basically go down and be a singer in hollywood and they had already done all this you know essentially like programming on her and mind control um and it's just so weird that it has all that occult influence within it and um i remember you telling me that when she was back home she couldn't remember you guys like she wouldn't remember her children no no she didn't remember us so and she was very very skinny she lost a lot of weight and she was very weak she wasn't strong at all uh she couldn't do any of the stuff my grandma and my great aunt had to live with us for a while until she got her strength back and i remember she would be sitting on the couch and she would be looking at the pictures of us from when yeah. we were babies and little children you know and um then i'd be we'd be playing some of the records like we had bambi and we had these nursery rhymes and stuff we had this little record player that we carried around with us that we could play these things on so she would listen to that and look at the pictures and try to remember us right and gradually her memory came back you know not all of it but she did remember us eventually what um yeah that was uh, really shocking like i i lost my that mother that must have been really basically. hard for you how how old were you Nine. And, and how did your dad respond like what did he think of the fact that she lost her memory well my father i believe was 
oh, very narcissistic, incredibly selfish. Um, he had suffered a accident when he, I think he was 12 or 13. He was playing a, a soccer game and one of the boys on the team was a bully and he had tried to bully everybody and he tried to bully my dad and he was, didn't like my father. And they were both going to the ball at the same time. And this bully guy got there first and he kicked it as hard as he could. And it hit my father in his right eye. Well, he, he got knocked out. And when, by the time he got home, his whole side of his face was all swollen up. And they, they didn't, never took him to the doctor, nothing. His father and mother just put steak on it to try to bring the swelling down. And he said he was in bed for about four days. And then after that, he could never see out of that eye properly. Well, knowing what I know about um, concussion and the impact it has on the brain, I believe that my dad had an untreated concussion and it was severe and that it impacted his impulse control in the area that would control anger. Uh, because his brother um, was a very loving husband and father, never raised a hand, never yelled at his wife and kids, very, very loving man. And then my uh my, my father's cousin, I used to call her aunt, but she wasn't. She was my dad's cousin. She lived with them as well because um, her parents had abandoned her. So she was being raised by the grandparents, the same as my father and his brother. And she said he was very gentle. She never had any experience of him yelling, and he never did in front of her. He just did it to us, to my mom and, and us children. Um, he was ashamed that my mother was Native because his mother rejected her and his like she his mother was a racist and you know my mother my poor mother suffered for being native as well anyway he was also very angry that she had cheated on him so he would scream at her slap her they would have these fights just daily horrible horrible and scream at us kids for no reason he would come home and just start screaming at we would just scatter but he would oh he would hit us spank us and, and then mom she gave up trying to interfere. She gave up trying to stop him from hurting us. You know, it was just, it was horrible. But that's the only explanation I can have for but why he did that. I guess that the, question, the, the, the question early, is, though, um, my original question was, uh, what was his reaction to the fact that you lost How did he react? Um, nothing. Nothing. He was still the same. He was, he, okay, this was what my dad did. Very, very selfish man. He spent his money on himself. He had a wife and five children. And my mother and all of us, we looked like ragamuffins. We got our clothes from the thrift store or the neighbors or the church would give us second-hand clothes. I don't recall ever getting new clothes. I even got my underwear from my older sisters. Uh, the shoes, the boots, everything was worn out. But he had brand new clothes and brand new shoes. And he, got a, he bought a new car every two years. So he was very, very cold, very cold man. He wasn't, I don't remember him stepping up to help mom. And she was so weak. She couldn't do her housework. She couldn't cook and clean. And he, there was no, back then, everybody had a washer dryer. But my mom had a ringer washer. So she had to do the clothes in this ringer washer. Then she had to hang them on the line. Then she brought them inside. Then she would stand in front of the TV for hours, ironing. She even ironed all of our sheets. And my poor mom, I, I was a bedwetter. You know, and she never was mean to me or nothing. She just patiently well, wash the sheets you know so he could have gotten her and a washer and dryer to help her out he could have gotten somebody to come in and help no she was just left there to recover on her own i don't remember any did, compassion after she or came back kindness what happened to the guy she was having an affair with well i assume it ended because shortly after that 
we moved to Calgary. Okay, you're not supposed to give specific places. Can you say that we again? Moved. Shortly Sorry. after that. Uh, okay. Um, shortly after that, we moved away. We moved yeah. to another province. Okay. Well, um, another question I have is I know that your mom also went to residential school and a lot of abuse there. And yes. then she also um, ended up leaving home at 13. So, I mean, they do, or it's said that they did a lot of ritual abuse in residential school. Okay. So my mom, I asked her about that and she, she wouldn't say anything. She said the nurses, the nuns were very cold and very cruel. Um, right. And there was one nun, her name was Sister Anita, and my mom was friends with her until Sister Anita's death, right? Sister Anita was a, a true friend of my mom. And she was from St. Joseph Residential School, which has since been torn down. It was in Ontario. Um, it must I'm not sure where it was located. It must have been close to then to um, where my mother was from. And there was just one incident she told me, she said her she was just a little girl, five years old, and her sister was, I think, six or seven, and she was had a very bad ear infection, and she was just burning up, and my mother didn't know what to do, and she had the cloth, and she kept running to the bathroom, getting cold water in the cloth, and then putting it on her sister's forehead, and that day, the doctor was there, and the nuns would let the doctor look at only the most serious cases, right, and um, my my aunt was not considered serious. She was just, I don't know, pretending or to have a sick day or something as far as the nuns were concerned. So here's the doctor noticed this little tiny girl running back and forth to the bathroom with a cloth. Right. So he said, what's going on? So he went in and there was my aunt and she, her fever was so high. She was near death. She had her ear infection was so bad. So the doctor got, my mom says the doctor got very angry with the nuns and said, what do you, what is wrong with you? This child's going to die from a simple ear infection. And this other little girl, her sister is trying to help her. What is wrong with you? And then he, he cured her. He cured my aunt. I'm not sure if he took her to the hospital or what he did. It was very, very remote. They always had these schools out, out in the wilderness so the children couldn't run away. But he, he healed her, right? And she just said she, she missed her, her mother so much. that, And she was only five years old. And she said, that's when I started to go inside of myself. That's when I started well, they, to hear the voices. Well, and, they uh, say that the, the trauma, like the abuse and the trauma is what shatters a person to a point where uh, you know, they start to deteriorate. So they start to disassociate. Yeah. So, so that sounds like what happened to my mom, you know, cause she was there mostly until she was 14. Then she had to leave home because her father was wanted to rape her. All of the good children and her mother, her mother should not be called a mother because the mother sent all the children away all the children were sent away. The boys, um, they had grown up and they had left because the father was really, he wasn't their father. Some of the, two of the older children had were by other other fathers. No, Dennis Martin to say their and name. David were by different oh. fathers. Because uh, she had, cause, oh, sorry, sorry. The three uncles were by different fathers because she had been married to two different men who had died. And then she, she had these children, this, this child, and then she met this person who became the I don't call him a grandfather because uh, there is we don't know if he's the grand the father of my my mother that's in dispute but anyway he was just horrible he was like something from hell 
how, well, how, how abusive he how was. How do you know that he wasn't somebody children. that was kind of like a handler? I don't know. All I know is that the abuse that he subjected those children to was just up beyond heinous. So they had beyond abuse heinous. at home, abuse it at the residential school. Then she left. Then she was working as a maid and then probably having abuse as a maid and then eventually met your father because she was working as a waitress. Was she working at a wa- as a waitress in waitress, his restaurant yes. or what did they meet? Oh, okay. Yes. It was it was it was um owned by his father. So it was quite an honor for my mom to be dating and then married to and then, the uh, son of the restaurant. And then owner. she goes on to having more trauma through the electroshock therapy and then being committed to a you know asylum. And then she goes on to mm-hmm. eventually she went in prison and everything like that after she divorced your father. And then eventually she was essentially like hiding out, right? Kind of just hiding out, um, running from something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was difficult to make sense of anything because she never wanted to talk yeah. to go into details about anything, right? So she she wouldn't talk to me, and um and also she could turn violent if she was if she thought if she was unhappy with something I did, she would just become enraged and she would be very very strong at that point, like pushing me up against the wall and slapping me and stuff. And I, yeah. man, she was strong like like a man. Well, I've heard that schizophrenic people get can get like point. super strength because of like you know the adrenochrome or whatever. I don't know, but. Anyway, well, thank you for talking to me about all these sort of sensitive topics. Um, And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll have you on a future podcast as well.